Good morning. My name is Sue Edwards, and I'm very honored to be a practitioner here at the Center. And I'll be doing the opening prayer and then introducing our guest speaker. And so as we settle in, just taking a breath, leaving behind all that busyness, and just knowing with me that there is one, one presence, one power, one all-giving, all-loving, source of all, knowing that each of us is so fully supported in our life, that there is nowhere and nothing that isn't supported by this source of all. I am just so grateful for this day, this gathering of all of us together in love, in fellowship, knowing that we are each an individualized expression of spirit, that when you hug, look into the eyes of the person next to you, you know that the divine is living in there, and the divine is being expressed through that person too. And so as we love ourselves, we love others, knowing that each of us is the Christ consciousness, the Christ consciousness of love, of beauty, of harmony, of joy, of abundance. And so I know that this is a very supporting, loving atmosphere in which we gather today. And as we open our hearts, our minds, and our souls, as we listen to the beautiful music, the beautifully prepared, lovingly prepared message, that we are each cracked open a little wider, that we allow this season of love and light to just grow within our hearts. And we extend this as we walk out into the world today. And so with great gratitude to know that we are so lovingly surrounded by the divine, so grateful that we have this center in which to gather, to regroup each week, I release these words into the law that always says, yes, my beloved, it is already so. And I invite you to say with me, and so it is. And so today, our guest speaker has been involved in taking the Science of Mind classes for over 15 years and then moved into teaching the classes. And in fact, this is an opportunity that she wanted to invite all of you, or any of you that would like to, to join her in delving deeper into this teaching by taking the Power of Your Word class that she's teaching in January. A gift to yourself to explore the potentiality of your life. And so I'd like you to help me in welcoming our beloved Reverend Tammy Banting. Thank you, Sue. So good morning, everyone, and thank you, Sue, for that lovely opening treatment. It really is an honor to be here this morning delivering the sending message as Dr. Patrick and Laura enjoy a well-deserved weekend of rest. My talk this morning is titled Perfect Whole and Complete. This is a common phrase within our teaching, and we will hear it in the classes we take, in the Science of Mind text, and it is often mentioned in Sunday talks. Dr. Patrick often refers to knowing our wholeness, and Ricky Byer Beckwith sang about it in our pre-service song. 
But what does it really mean to be whole? Why is it important, and how do we apply it in our daily lives? As we are taught by Ernest Holmes, the general premise of wholeness is that no matter what is manifesting in our lives or showing up as our experience of life, that none of it diminishes the fact that we are whole. For me, at times my, in my life, that definitely felt like a stretch. We may ask ourselves when I'm experiencing chaos and upheaval in my life, when grief and sadness threaten to swallow me, when I feel unloved, underappreciated, betrayed, misunderstood, confused, and unclear, when I'm experiencing so much fear about my life, underneath it all, my true nature is perfect, whole, and complete. How can that possibly be? Well, I have not forgotten my first experience with this idea. It happened not long after I had started coming to the center. It was a Sunday morning. I walked in and sat down and settled in to hear Reverend Kay Patrick deliver the Sunday message. Because I was so new to the teaching, I wasn't completely clear on what everything meant, but I intuitively knew that there was something for me to know about what was being said. So we sang the opening song. We did the opening treatment, and Reverend Kay began her Sunday talk. I was listening closely to get the gist of her message, and she was speaking about the role that chaos plays in our experience. And then she went on to affirm that each person here was perfect, whole, and complete. I was like, what? Everyone here is perfect, whole, and complete? I said, no one mentioned it was perfect, whole, and complete day at the center. I thought, I thought everyone was welcome here. Shouldn't there have been a sign posted somewhere? Clearly, I shouldn't be here with all these perfect, whole, and complete people. I need to come on the imperfect, less than whole, and not even close to complete day. Which Sunday was that? For many of us, that message we have received for most of our lives may not have supported an idea that we were perfect. But the truth of all of us is we come into this realm exactly perfect. We are individualized expressions of God, universal love, spirit, source, or the one, whatever we choose to call it. And throughout our journey of life, we begin to receive messages and situations that go against that idea. From our first unheeded cry to being left alone or experiencing hunger even for a short time as a baby. And as a child being told no and reprimanded, we start to get the idea that we, nor the world, is perfect. And later in life, messaging from our families, our peers, our partners, our teachers, our bosses, and perhaps even from our faith communities that we grew up in, we begin to experience thoughts and ideas about ourselves that feel far from perfect. And as Dr. Patrick explains, we start to form errors of beliefs about ourselves. From there, we begin to shape our lives based on these belief errors, and our worlds begin to be a reflection of what we have begun to believe about ourselves and the world around us. A popular idea that we may form is that there is never enough, an idea of lack in our lives. Not enough money or time for everything we want to do, so everywhere we look, we begin to see lack, and in turn, we cling tightly to our money and our talents, fearing there is not enough and extinguishing our inherent generous nature. We may have fallen for the idea that love is hard to find, and in turn we tempt people not to love us by withholding our own love. We may have experienced betrayal, so in return we betray. 
We are surrounded by the idea that the world is not a safe place, so we become suspicious and jaded, and before we know it, our capacity to see the amazing good in the world is diminished, and in turn diminishing our ability to shine our own light in the world. At the base of all of this is fear. Fear that we won't have enough, and fear that we simply are not enough. And this because we have lost sight of, or actually never known anything about the idea of being perfect, whole, and complete, as taught by Ernest Holmes. To understand the perfection of these situations, we will want to look at the nature of spirit in our lives. Spirit's deepest longing for us is to step away from the idea of fear in our lives and recognize our wholeness. In Discovering Your Soul's Signature, Panache de Say has this to say. So often we allow fear to run our lives. Think about it. Nothing, absolutely nothing is wrong, but something sets you off and you start being fearful of something that hasn't happened and likely won't. Seemingly out of the clear blue sky, you start worrying about the bills. You start obsessing about your job. Maybe your boss doesn't really like you. Or maybe your coworker is sabotaging you. Your mind runs wild with all of these ideas. Possibly your fear takes the form of worrying about your children. Marty's B- minus on a test might be setting him up for a life of underachievement. Sophie's been dealing with some middle school problems, and you worry about her self-esteem and it being permanently damaged. Then, of course, there's always your health. You wake up in the morning with a headache, and you're sure it's a tumor. Before you know it, you've become sick, unemployed, and a poor parent, and it's all in your mind. Whatever your particular fears are, they serve to constrict you and make your whole field of energy narrow. And fear begets fear. Bring to your mind the image of a garden. What happens if we don't weed a garden, our entire garden? All of those carefully cultivated rose bushes and peonies and daylilies become overgrown. Roots become strangled and cut off from their source. Before you know it, the beauty vanishes. Fear is an energy. It is an experience. But holding on to fear is unique to our human nature. Consider this. Every living being feels its fear and shakes it off. Cows and deers, fox and even bears, they all feel fear and move on. But we human beings don't. We accumulate fear. We hoard it and store it in our bodies. We go out of our way to prove to ourselves that the world is not a safe place. Of course, there is an evolutionary place for fear. After all, it allows us to survive, but we let it run amok. And then it keeps us locked in place. Perhaps we stay in unsatisfying jobs or bad relationships out of fear that something greater is not on its way. All the time we are invalidating the universal principle of more. The grass continues to grow, rivers continue to flow into the sea, and galaxies are born. Life seemingly has a way of continuing to evolve into more. Everything in nature validates this principle. So as Panache explains, if life continues to evolve into more, even as we are experiencing something that looks and feels like less, What is spirit's role in that? How does the universal principle of more work, and how does the idea of wholeness fit in? Let's start off with the good stuff, the part where our lives are moving along on track. 
Things are going well at home. We're feeling organized. Our family is doing great. We're managing to get enough sleep. We have set some time aside for ourselves for spiritual practice, even creating time to meditate regularly. Things are going pretty well at work, too, and we are even managing to eat better and get some exercise. Our calendars are full of things we choose to do and less of things that we have to do. These are the times in our lives that the idea of wholeness seems closer at hand, that the qualities of God, peace and joy, abundance, health and connection to the divine are manifesting in our outer world. I like to refer to this experience as feeling closer to source. And then it happens. The train of our lives goes off the track. It may start slowly, little things start to go in the wrong direction, and then this idea gets some momentum and things really seem to fall apart. Where we were feeling confident about things, doubt starts to creep in, and then it grows into a landslide. Where we were feeling healthy and vibrant, we start to feel tired and uninspired. Things that were rolling along with great ease now seem arduous. How did this happen? And what am I supposed to know about this? In the book, Trance of Scarcity, Victoria Castle has this to say. Our primary premise in the trance of scarcity is that our outer experience of abundance, of living in a world with effectiveness and ease, is determined by our inner state more than our outer circumstance. We embody abundance when we cultivate the state that matches ease and flow. So our focus here is on state and not on getting our circumstances to line up neatly. Life is messy. Stuff happens. We can stop wasting our time and energy trying to get life to behave because that's not where the leverage is. Anyway, who wants to work that hard? We attend to our state because it creates our daily experience. Unless we're in a state that allows for ease, we're unable literally incapable of experiencing a life of ease and fulfillment. The dictionary defines state as a mode of being, as living beings were always in a state of some kind or another. Confusion, excitement, fatigue, hopefulness, calm, overwhelm, gratefulness, ambition, confidence, resignation, joy, curiosity. A person's state changes constantly in response to the stimuli of the moment. As a physician once said, you want to be able to respond. If you lose that natural responsiveness, you're considered clinically dead. So we aren't trying to achieve a state in which we'll remain untouched or unmoved by life. Quite the contrary. We're seeking to increase our capacity for easy responsiveness, for aliveness, and for connection. Again, we look at Victoria's idea, and what if instead of spiraling down into blame and shame of ourselves or others, the what ifs and how did this happen, when situations in our lives look like confusion, chaos, or lack, what if we move towards as what she refers to as a capacity of easy responsiveness? This idea fits hand in hand with the idea of wholeness and spirit working in our lives. These concepts support a way of looking at upheaval and lack in our lives from a much more empowering point of view. A real-life way in which the principles Ernest Holmes teaches can literally change the trajectory of our life experience. 
We will want to embrace the concept as Victoria describes it. Our focus is state, not getting our circumstances to line up neatly. If our focus is state, then the only thing that we need to be aware of is not what is happening, but our reaction and our, our response to what is happening. How are we viewing it, and how can we view it in a more empowering way? Understanding spirit and action can go a long way to beginning this part of our journey. Spirit's longing for us, as I have mentioned before, is for us to continue to spiral upward toward our divine ideal, as Thomas Chord describes it. Because the universe is constantly in motion, it requires our experience to be in constant motion. To this end, we are, we, when our lives are going along merrily and we feel like we have it nailed, spirit is longing for greater growth and recognition of our wholeness. It can happen in joyful and uplifting ways, but often this growth happens through the friction in our lives. Friction in our lives gives us the ultimate clarity of really getting in touch with the idea of perfect, whole, and complete. Another common phrase we'll hear here at the Centre and in this teaching is, it's all perfect. As we examine the role of spirit in our lives, this also begins to make some sense. How can something so imperfect seemingly actually be perfect? It is perfect because it is encouraging us to, under all of the chaos, to realize that we are whole. But how do we get there? We begin with one simple question when we are faced with anything that looks negative in our experience. We simply ask, what is there for me to know about this? What is it that has drawn this particular circumstance into my life? The biggest caveat around this question, and the one we most need to hear, is it isn't something we have done wrong or something we deserve in some negative way. The situation just is. Not wrong, not right, not good or bad. Just an invitation to grow ourselves and, above all, to begin to realize our wholeness. As we begin to ask these questions, we immediately begin to shift the energy from the lowest vibration of anger and resentment, blame and confusion, to a higher vibration of possibility. What is the error of belief that I have about myself that is commanding my attention? Has someone implied that I am not enough and I have internalized that? That would be something I would want to know about myself. Certainly not that I am not enough, but the fact that I somehow believe that. Spirit is longing for us to heal that idea about ourselves so the circumstances in your life may bring up opportunities for you to look at this untruth and heal it. If the experience shows up as lack in your life, spirit longs for the idea to be healed within you and bring you closer to the idea that there is always enough. If it is love that you feel lacking, spirit will create an outpicturing of that idea so that again, you can have a look at it and heal it. I know you get the idea. This principle applies to each and everything that you are experiencing that may feel negative in the moment. This is why we know and affirm that it is all perfect. It is perfect because it is an invitation to peel back all the messaging that has clouded our thinking about who we really are and the truth of our being. There is nothing to be fixed, just something to be revealed. 
The only thing required is our willingness to embrace our perfect God nature for our own realization of our divinity, not to prove it to anyone else. It is simply our realization. This is our spiritual journey as human beings. If you are feeling really brave and ready to look at conflict and chaos in your life in a more empowered way, you may want to graduate to the next big question. Are you ready? The question is, what is my role in this conflict? This is definitely a leap question for most of us because we may have often felt that conflict was happening to us, that it was happening because of circumstances and people outside of us. Well, on the surface, this may seem like the most easily, easily explainable idea as why there may be conflict. It squarely places us in the victim mode. And that may not be the most empowering thought pattern. For me personally, when I started to examine my role in the conflict in my life, I found this small, hardly noticeable thing about myself. Yes, it was my need to be right. Small, you could hardly notice it. I can tell you that once I chose to set down my need to be right it, all of the time, my experience of conflict subsided greatly. Believe me, not that I set down the need to be right, in, I set it down in every situation. If you want proof of that, just ask my husband. But always, I have the choice to do it. It is so much more empowering than believing that conflict is always happening to me without my agreement. But if we can really look at our own role in the conflict, again, not from a perspective of what have I done wrong, but from a perspective of knowing that whatever the answer is, that I have everything I need to move through it. It is another way of spirit always inviting us to know the truth about ourselves. Not that we or others, not what we or others think about us, but the real truth of who we are. Because the real truth of who we are is, are the God qualities of peace and joy, abundance, health, and connection to spirit. Anything that doesn't look like this is not the truth about us and is simply an invitation from spirit to polish the stone of our lives as we spiral up to the perfect ideal. As Dr. Patrick said last week in quoting Ernest Holmes, our humanity masks our divinity. So our first step in looking at the situation in our life that looks like anything but perfect is to ask what is there for me to know about this situation, what era of belief about myself is being triggered, and what is it within me that needs to be healed. The second question, and the one that may require a bit more grounded insightfulness, is what is my role in this experience? Once we can examine that, really knowing that whatever it might be, our wholeness remains intact, nothing to fix, just something to be aware of. And this moves us out of the idea of a victim of circumstance into a much more empowering place. And the last step is another idea that we hear a lot about but may not really understand how incredibly important it is, and that is to find something, anything, to be grateful for in each situation. The instant that we move to gratitude, we move away from the low vibration of fear and blame and fixing into a higher vibration of possibility. Simply put, the law of attraction is the ability to attract into our lives whatever we are focusing on so that the moment we begin to take our focus away from the situation at hand 
and focus on something we are grateful for, we start to draw more of that into our experience. As so eloquently stated by Sarah Braun Brethnick, gratitude can instantly transform your life. Gratitude is the most transformational force in the cosmos. In closing today, I know that each of us is here by right of consciousness. We are here because we are all seekers on a spiritual journey and we're open to the ideas offered by the wisdom teachers through the ages and brought to us so eloquently by Ernest Holmes. So this is what we know. We are here on this earthly plane to come to know at a deep level that we are perfect, that every circumstance in our life is perfect and it serves to invite us to examine the ways our humanity may be masking our divinity. Spirit's deepest longing for us is that we come to know our wholeness so that our lives continue to spiral upwards, revealing the potentiality that we are. The principles, as taught by Ernest Holmes, are not about getting it right in our lives, but are more about experiencing more joy in every aspect of our lives by claiming our divine nature. This divine nature, again, is abundance and health and joy and deep connection. Spirit is our closest companion as it guides our journey through the ever-changing experiences of our lives. In this season of celebrating Christ consciousness and gift-giving, remember that you are the gift, and you bring your gift to the world by fully embodying the idea of your wholeness. Take a moment and imagine this world if each and every human being knew and recognized their own wholeness. Imagine how we would love each other, unconditionally accept each other, share with each other, honor each other, and celebrate each other knowing that nothing, no one, no circumstance will ever, ever diminish who we truly are. Now that's a world that works for everyone. And so it is.